Good evening, my Halloween friends, and welcome to the Phantasmagorium. I am your host, the Creeper of Channel X. Tis the season for parties and masquerades among the living, the dead, and the undead, all of who are welcome to have a good time. Well, almost all. Put on your headphones, turn out the lights, and enjoy tonight's tale. The simply and aptly titled Halloween Party. Come on, Jess. If you're not in the car in the next minute, we're leaving you here. Tommy hollered from just outside my bedroom door. I knew he, Becca, John, and Terry were waiting for me. We were all about to head to Hannah's massive Halloween extravaganza. She was the most popular girl in school, and everyone was going to be at this party. Look, Tommy, spandex isn't the easiest thing to just slip on. I'll be there as soon as I can. I yelled back, struggling to get my costume on. I was going as Harley Quinn, Tommy was Bane, Becca was Poison Ivy, John was Batman, and Terry was Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, Becca had no trouble getting hers on. Hurried up in there, he retorted. And with that, I heard shuffling as he walked away toward the car. I managed to pull the costume all the way on, grabbed my coat and other necessities, and headed out toward the car myself. Everyone was inside and waiting when I finally came out. Hey babe, I said as I slid in next to Becca and gave her a peck on the cheek. She returned the favor. We hit the road around seven for what was about to be just over an hour's drive which would include a stretch of cornfields where there was no life around for miles. I always hated going through that stretch of road, but that was life in rural Nebraska, and I had lived it for 18 years now. The drive went smooth for the first 25 or so minutes. We drank some of the beer John had taken from his dad's stash, and were all together having a great time. Then, the engine sputtered, and next thing we knew, the car completely stopped. Tommy and John tried to fix it, but it was completely shot. We all checked our phones, but no one had signal. The closest civilization was a near two to three hour walk. We were stuck in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by endless corn and empty street. That was, until we saw, just down the road, the top of a farmhouse. We all made our way there and begged the owner for help. He let us in, but let us know we wouldn't be getting a tow truck until morning with it being Halloween night and this being miles from town. And we still had no signal, and the closest motel was also a couple of hours walk away. So, he offered up his two spare rooms for us to spend the night in. And with no other feasible options, we agreed. He 
His house was beautiful and extremely well kept. He said his name was Larry, and he's lived alone for the last five years since his wife passed. He rarely had visitors since his kids nearly never came to visit, and he was so far from town, so he was somewhat excited to have us over. Becca and I took one of the rooms, Terry and Tommy the other, and John got to stay on the couch. We all settled in and got ready to spend the night in a widowed farmer's house who we'd never met before. This was about to be the weirdest Airbnb ever, is all I could think. Larry had us all meet in the living room a little later. It was nearing ten now. He warned us to stay in the house no matter what tonight, and to absolutely not answer the door. We hesitantly agreed, since it was either we follow his rules and stay in the warm house, or spend the night in the car. Larry said he'd be going out to the shed for a while to take care of some stuff, and that we should start heading to bed. We did just that, and all made our way to our rooms, save for John, who was sprawled out on the couch and passed out nearly immediately. Becca and I, however, couldn't sleep at all. We sat up discussing the weirdness of the situation. Eventually, she managed to soothe me to sleep and soon fell asleep herself. I imagine Terry and Tom either fell asleep or stayed up all night. Either way, we were all together in the hall when we heard an ear-splitting scream from outside, from the shed. We rushed to the back of the house and looked out of the window. We barely had sight into the shed, but it was enough for us to see Larry collapse with a gardening tool jammed in his head. We all shrieked in horror, some more manly than others. Tommy would have wanted me to add that. Tom took the lead as we made our way back to the front to try to get the hell out of there before whoever killed the farmer came for us. We all grabbed the closest things to weapons we could find to be safe, and Tom reached to open the front door. It swung open, and all that was there was a scarecrow. What kind of sick joke is this? were Tommy's last words as he reached to move the scarecrow out of the way. As he grabbed it, it grabbed back. Then it raised its free hand, which held a gardening trowel. It then shoved said trowel down Tom's throat. The rest of us booked it for the back door. We froze short as we looked out the window and saw the house being surrounded by the murderous crop protectors. Holy shit, we are so fucked, Becca said in a panicked voice I'd never heard from her before. They're just scarecrows, right? Can't be that hard to take them out and clear a path, I said, trying to sound reassuring. And like I believed what I was saying. That facade faded fast with John's next words. Jess, do you see how many of them are there? Plus, the car's dead, and there's no town for almost 20 miles. Even if we clear a path, where in the hell are we going to go? He was right. I didn't want to admit it, but he clearly was. 
There were at least 20 to 30 of them, easily, and only four of us, dressed like DC Comics characters. What a way to go out, I thought to myself. Well, there's got to be something we can do. We can't just sit here and die. Doesn't Larry have any kind of vehicle? Desperation began creeping into my voice, and I knew it. He said his truck is messed up like ours. He just rarely goes to town, so he hasn't worried about fixing it. But maybe there's a tractor out there. That would work if we can get past them. Keys are probably in the shed. I'll open the back door and we can book it and try to chop any down that come for us. This was when we finally realized the scarecrow from the front door had nearly cleared the space between us and the door. We booked it out back, John in front and Terry bringing up the rear. The plan went well for the first few yards. We took out a few of the hay-filled killers. It seemed we'd make it out relatively unscathed, save for a forever fucked up psyche. However, we suddenly heard a shriek from the back of the line. We turned to see Terry being swarmed by three scarecrows. We rushed to help her, but it was too late. She was split near completely in half at the waist. John had to pull Becca and me away from our near-dead friend. Just as he turned to lead us away, he was attacked by a shovel-wielding straw man. Becca took it down with Larry's cane and beat it repeatedly. When she felt satisfied, she stood and stared at me with the most maniacal grin I'd ever seen. By the time we got our wits about us again and turned to help John, we realized he'd been dragged away by one of our attackers. We found him in the shed. The same tool that was once used to end the life of lonely farmer Larry now was being used to torture John. I took a weed whacker to the scarecrow and didn't stop until there was nothing but a pile of straw and torn clothes left. We locked the shed and barricaded the door. I went looking for any keys for any farm vehicle I could maybe find. Out of near 30 of those, we'd taken out maybe 10 to 12. So, we still had a hell of a fight ahead of us. Fortunately, they moved extremely slow and were easy to take out. Becca went to tend to John's wounds. It took what felt like hours to search through the mess in the shed that I imagined Larry made while struggling with his attackers earlier. Finally, I found a ring full of keys and went back to Becca and John. She gave me the bad news that he succumbed to his wounds. I showed her the keys and told her we needed to get out now. We loaded up, me with the weed whacker and Becca with the hedge trimmer, and prepared to give those bastards hell until we found a tractor and got out of this nightmare. We threw open the door and found ourselves staring down the last twenty or so straw men. As they began progressing toward us, we gave each other what we thought may be our final kiss and charged, taking down as many as we could. Eventually, we had enough of a path that we were able to bolt out and quickly locate a vehicle 
and rushed for it faster than I think I've ever ran. We hopped on, and after fumbling with the keyring for a moment, I found the right key and started it up. It came to life with a thunderous roar, and the lights lit up the now near pitch black field. I turned the machine to face the last few nightmare creatures that were stumbling toward us. I floored the gas pedal, and as fast as the tractor could go, we marched toward our adversaries. Hearing the crunches under the tire was the most satisfying sound I'd heard in God knows how long. Once the machine had rolled over every last one of them, I turned toward the road and drove us to the nearest sign of civilization. We both were so fueled by adrenaline and fear that we hadn't realized how many wounds we'd suffered ourselves. We each had multiple slash marks and other bruises and bumps, but we were alive and spending a couple of nights in a hospital. While in that bed, Becca and I made one promise to each other. We were getting the hell out of Nebraska and as far away from those cornfields as we could, as soon as we could. And now we knew for sure we could face anything together. It was in that hospital she revealed to me that she had planned to propose at that Halloween party, and I ecstatically accepted when she asked officially. The cops found everything. They tried their best to find a reasonable explanation. The official story they settled on was that Larry went crazy and attacked us, killing our friends, but we were able to take him out and end his murder spree. And due to the traumatic nature of it, we were remembering the events differently. But what they couldn't explain was how a mere 70-year-old man overpowered two football stars but was taken down by Becca and me, who, while no slouches, were both relatively petite girls. Nor could they explain why all of the farmer's scarecrow posts were empty. takeaway from this story? Note to self. Remember to make an ASMR video with the sound of straw and scarecrows being crunched underneath a moving tractor for about three hours. Until next time, remember, always keep a flamethrower at the ready while heading to your Halloween soirees.